What in the world is going on? It's a big question, isn't it? A lot of people are freaking out. A lot of people are scared and nervous. The Pew Research poll tells us that 39% of us, all in America, believe that this is the end times. So I thought maybe we should talk about it. Since we've got some crazy things going on in our world, in our schools, in our families, in our government, around the world, maybe we should talk about it. I want to tell you something. I never found myself believing this before, but I actually do believe we're in the end times. I really do. And I want to give you five evidences of the end times today. And we're going to talk about this, but I also want to tell you that it may be the end, but God is with us. And we win in the end. So be encouraged. I want to show you some scripture today. Today's message is called Alpha and Omega. He started it and he will end it. Revelation 21 tells us, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You know, Genesis 1, Jesus said, in the beginning, it says, God said, well, Jesus was there too. In the beginning, God. But in Revelation 22, it says in the end, God too, that he was there also. So he's the bookends. And so he started this whole thing and he's also going to end it. So I want to unpack this day. I'm very glad you're here with us. I want to say hello to all of our campuses who are tuned in as well as those online. Thanks for joining us. And also, by the way, thank you for making Easter so successful. We were literally packed out at every campus last week. Thank you guys so much. Praise God. And many of you are back and we're grateful to have you guys here. So I want to just jump right in. And this is not a normal message for me. I just want to say right now, but we're not normal times. So I feel led by God to talk about this and to unpack this today. So I'm just going to warn you now, you may get offended. That's okay with me because I'm supposed to speak truth. I'm not supposed to just speak what you want to hear. Does that make sense? So we're going to speak the truth today. So here we go. Some are like, I don't know. What is he going to say? There's five evidences that we see in scripture that lead me to believe that this is the end times. Let me show you Matthew chapter 24, verses six through eight. This is Matthew's account of the gospel. And he says something right at the beginning of of the new church, right? Matthew's already talking about the fact that there's going to be an end. It says, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all of this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. I want to show you another scripture, by the way, because one of the biggest keys to know when the end times happens is that Israel will be under attack. Zechariah 14 says, For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle and the city shall be taken and the houses plundered and the women raped. And so clearly Israel is going to be under attack. And if you haven't noticed, they have continually been under attack actually since they reestablished all the way back after World War II. But they have continued to be under attack. I mean, to, to this day, there's literally almost a week that doesn't go by that they are not shelling Israel that Palestine is not attacking Israel. It still goes on every day. And so that's why we need to wake up and recognize that because that's one of the biggest signs. But really world wars are the biggest sign too. And right now we've got Russia and Ukraine fighting. And so, I mean, it just now, there was a leaker who came out basically and and we now know for a fact that I I thought this was going on, but now it's been proven that we actually do have have, uh, men on the ground that that, that are in our military. That is illegal, by the way. Uh, because so it means the same guys who pass the laws are breaking the laws. And so that's what's happening right now. And so, you know, the military are just doing what they're told, but we've got guys, we knew they were training, but we didn't know they were training on the ground there. And so that is actually not supposed to be happening. And so, and I don't blame our military. They're doing what they're told. 
It's our leaders that need to tell us what's going on. And they need to be honest with us. And it's almost today, it's almost as if, if, if someone says, I'm from the government, I almost just assume you're about to lie to me. That's where we're at right now in our country. And that's a problem. And so we have a big issue going on. We don't really know all that's going on in the world, but we do know this. We've, we've lost our strength. Clearly, when you see uh, the new bricks, have you heard of this yet? This is Brazilla. Uh, Brazilla, what's that? Brazil, sorry. <laughs> Brazilla, I don't know what that is. It's a new country, Brazil. Let's look that up. Brazil, Russia, uh, let's see, India, China, and South Africa have all joined together. Now, the, the real threat there is, of course, Russia and China. But don't sleep on India. That's also, they're three times larger in America. They may not have the superpower status of the nukes that Russia and China have, but they do have the technology. And so when those three get together, that could be a real problem for us. So we need to recognize that. But clearly China and Russia do not have good intentions for America. That's very obvious to anyone. Putin recently uh, just said that he is no longer going to honor the agreement from the 1980s uh, where Reagan had established uh, with Russia that we would both denuclearize or at least not build any more nukes. He said he's no longer honoring that. He's basically openly telling us, I'm, build, I'm nuking up. And so him saying that should, guys, what I'm trying to say, our politicians right now are playing chicken with a madman who has nukes. That is not smart. And so that's where we're at. Again, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just simply pointing out what's going on. That is in our world right now that's currently happening. Right now, when our president calls certain countries, they don't return his call. This is what happens when you don't project strength. And so we're just not taken serious. Guys, we're not taken serious on the world stage because we've got major world wars going on, and yet our politicians are saying the greatest threat is global warming. Are you kidding me? That's not the great. Oh, there'll be a lot of warming happening all at once if you're not careful. And so there's a much bigger issue that we're not paying attention to. And so that's the reality of where we're at. Wars and rumors of war is the first evidence. The second evidence is false teaching and deceptions. Second Timothy says this. It says, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome doc- doctrine or teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. Guys, we have a problem when you're hearing more truth from comedians than from preachers. And that's where we're at. I mean, this one's not on the world. This is on us. This is where his church is, is backing away from truth. And it's, it's, it's happening all over the place right now. I find it a little crazy that it's controversial for me to say that we were all either born male or female. There's not more than two genders. That's how many there are. There are not 50 genders. And it's funny how quiet everybody goes, oh, I can't believe he's saying that. Is this kind of obvious? But yet we're ignoring this. And the reason I bring this up, and I don't really care what a 40-year-old man wants to do. If he wants to dress up like a girl, that's fine. But he's a dude dressed up like a girl. And right now we have the head of our Department of Health. I mean, he's literally in charge of health for our country. And he's an obese man that wears dresses to work. That, that's what we have. I mean, that's, that's, that's who we've put in position and so we wonder why we have massive unhealthiness. And so this is, I mean, 30 years ago in the DSM-4, uh, the psychological manual that psychologists use to figure out what someone's abnormality that they're trying to figure out mentally is going on, they used to call this gender dysphoria. But now we're supposed to celebrate it and say it's normal and good, and it's not. Guys, did you know what happens when a child mutilates his genitals? And we think, oh, let's do that because that's going to make them happy. Actually, suicide rates go up not 4 and 5%. They go up 400% once a child has made this decision or a parent for them. 
You're literally killing the next generation. And this is why I feel like I have to preach about it. And before you say, oh, pastor, you're getting political. You need to stay in your lane. No need to get on my lane because this is where the truth is. And we got to be honest about it. I said nothing when it was adults making decisions because you can choose to do whatever you want. And you know what? I'm not going to not call it sin, but at the same time, you can make the decision. But when you start hurting our children, don't mess with my kids. That's where we say, no, this is not okay. We have to make a decision to recognize false teaching and the damage it's doing to people. Genesis 5, 2 is real clear. God made us male and female. Did you know that you could pull up a cadaver? You could pull up a dead body from 200 years ago if you want, and you could just take a little piece of that body and run a DNA test on it, and it tells us whether it's a male or female. In other words, changing a genital part of your body will not change your gender. It does not do that. It's just mind-blowing. I mean, I think Aerosmith wrote a song about this, right? Dude, look like a lady. What are you doing? <laughs> and so I just want to challenge us. Let's, we need to not allow a mental disorder to have to be celebrated. This is crazy. It's, it's not helping. It's hurting us. It really is. And so I'm actually really thankful for the pushback that's now happening to some of these companies who are, who are you know, backing this stuff. You know, it's like, hey, you know what? Do business. Quit getting in our business of beliefs. And so I think it's important that, that we do push back. Guys, the reason I'm speaking up is because there's going to be a day if we don't speak up, we won't be able to. So we have to speak up. Did you know that this, that March 8th, they, they call it the 8, 8 March Principles, which, by the way, is International Women's Day. The UN came out with a new resolution. In their new resolution, they want to make it legal for all sex workers to do whatever they want to do and also make it legal for children to consent to sex with adults. Look it up. This is the UN. These are the experts who are trying to create world policy. I mean, this is, I don't know how to be more corrupt than that. We have to recognize if this isn't the end of the world, it's certainly about to be the end of America. I want us to to really take a hard look at what's going on in the world today and ask, is it healthy? Is it working? Is how we're doing working? Bottom line is it's not. False teaching and deception. Preachers have, have backed away from the truth. that you, you, it's, you, have to hard, you have to look kind of hard to find a church that actually preaches the gospel. That at the end of the service, they ask people to accept Jesus. That's the gospel. Churches aren't even doing that anymore. And now churches are, are, are inviting this woke culture to come into their church. But last time I checked... The Bible is supposed to inform my beliefs, not what's popular. So we have to get back to this. And I may sound super old school right now, but I'm okay with that because I want to stick to God's truth. We have to do that. The third one is lawlessness and wickedness. Matthew 24 says, because lawlessness will multiply or wickedness will multiply. Another word for that. The love of many will grow cold. Have you noticed that crime is up everywhere? It really is. In fact, did you know that, that murder is up 30% in three years? Now, if murder's up 30, 30% in your town, it's time to fire the DA. It's time to get rid of these district attorneys that are letting people basically commit murder and then they basically just let them out. It's catch and release. And then these guys repeat the crimes, or the, the, repeat the crime of rape, repeat the crime of, of violence, re repeat the crime of murder. And so we, we have to get hard on criminals. We've, we have passed laws that support criminals rather than support victims. 
And so this has got to change or we're not going to have a culture you're going to want to live in. So we have to recognize what's going on. This lawlessness is, is taking over criminals. I mean, we have district attorneys that, that, that are not supporting the police. I thank God that we support the police here. Thank God we have them. Oh, my goodness. I don't want to live in a culture where I am not protected. How about you? So this is such a big deal that we think about this. And the, and the wickedness is happening, too. Just the other day on the Grammys, there's a guy named Sam Smith. His song that he sang was basically, uh, in, in his own words, it was, it was basically satanic worship. And CBS tweeted at the same time he came on live at the Grammys, let's get ready to worship. CBS. They immediately took it down only because people responded. I mean, that's where we're at. It it is crazy. And and CBS is considered one of the more conservative networks. It's crazy what we're allowing our kids to listen to and to watch. I just want to challenge you to think through that. You cannot just hand a phone to your child and say, good luck. We just can't do that now. The world is quickly running towards sin and corruption. It's kind of mind-blowing, and I know I sound like I'm from the 1800s right now, but I just didn't think that they would go after our kids. That just really shocked me. So why, why is it such a big deal to have a drag story hour in libraries? Why, why is that? Are you aware that this is not just some cute little, oh, let's just let people do what they want to do? This is men dressing up as women being turned on while dancing in front of your children. That speaks for itself. It's it's corrupt. It's disgusting. It's wrong. And so we need to call it out and protect our children. This is a huge issue. This is a problem. And we have to recognize it. Because if we don't, it will... It will actually get worse. Lawlessness and wickedness. And I'm prepared to get some emails. That's fine. I know where the delete button is. You just. The next one here is the persecution of Christians. Christians are going to be persecuted. It's very obvious in the Bible. All, I mean, there's so many scriptures. I could, I could have just done a whole message on that. Next week we are, by the way. Next week's message is called, How Bad Will It Get? And how to thrive in chaos. Because everything we're going to go through in the end times, Jesus went through first. So he shows us how to handle persecution. There's multiple ways that people persecute Christians. And we're going to unpack that, what that looks like. Scripture says in Matthew 24, Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you're my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And we can clearly see a lot of hate back and forth from people in today's culture. Persecution of Christians is a very real thing. But let's just be honest. If you, if you take a close look at cancel culture, it really only goes one way. They pretty much are going after Christians, conservative Christians that have a Judeo-Christian work ethic. That's typically who they're going after. So we have to just recognize it for what it is. We are going to be persecuted. I've been persecuted a long time just as a leader, as a Christian leader. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of used to it. It doesn't really affect me as much today as it used to. But I also want to encourage you that you have to toughen up to that. It's not easy. You got to get, you got to get used to being hated, which is not, not a fun thing. I mean, don't, I don't like it, but I have young pastors will call me, man, yeah, I had this person get, say this about me. And I'm like, really? I mean, you're, you're going to freak out over one Facebook post? Like, dude, don't be in the ministry if you're going to freak out. Like, that's just part of it. You know, when people tell me so-and-so left the church, I'm like, take a number. I mean, that's just the church, church size that people leave every week. I mean, I, and, and people come every week. 
You just got to be faithful to God. That's what God's called us to do. Just be faithful. He'll take care of the rest. And the last sign is the return of Christ. And that is the good news is that Christ is going to return after all this happens. So check it out. Acts chapter one says this, as the angel said, this is when the angels uh, came down when Jesus ascended to heaven, basically. It says, he said this, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. He says, hey, he's coming back. He said, I'll be back. He's coming back. He's coming back to take us home. Let me show you the scripture on this. First Thessalonians says this, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise. Let me explain that. Those who are already in heaven will actually go back into the coffin for a brief moment and then come up out. How cool is that going to be, right? I want to be there when that happens. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. He's saying comfort because, hey, it's going to get bad, but let me comfort you. This has to happen before it gets amazing. So it's going to be okay. Now, here's the plan. This is our evangelistic plan at the end, okay? So right when we start to ascend up in the air, when we're being caught up in heaven, grab the nearest sinner you can, hold on to until you're about 30 feet up near and say, either you get saved right now or I'll let go. All right? Is that cool? We're going to take a lot more people to Christ all right at once, all at once, right there. Let's do it. All right. All right. You know, as I talk about all these things, sometimes it, it sounds crazy to think, wait, this is actually going to happen. Like we're going to literally ascend in the air. Yeah. And the blink of an eye is going to be amazing when that happens, but it's only going to be amazing if you're saved. If you're not saved, it's going to be terrifying. Cause the question then is going to be all over the news. Where'd everybody go? And then at that point, it's too late. Now I, I do believe, and I'm going to show you in a second. I believe you know, because people, the, the, the theological argument people have is, is, is pre-tribulation, like do we go before the tribulation, before it gets really bad? Does God take us home? Or are we, you know, post-tribulation, which means like it happened, we go through all the, the horrible things and then God calls us home. And then there's like a mid, like you're like, you know, uh, you know like amillennialism, they call it, which is basically somewhere in the middle of that, we, you just take it home. I believe in the, the pan-tribulation, it's all going to pan out in the end, that's my view, but... Actually, I do believe, according to Scripture, that we're going to be taken home before this happens. And here's why. Let me show you the Scripture on that. Uh, it, it says this in Revelation 3. Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. So it says, if you're faithful, right? He says, if you'll just be faithful and persevere, I'm going to take you home before the big trial comes, before the big testing so I do believe that we serve a loving God that's going to let it get bad, but then he's going to take you before it gets really, really bad. Now we're going to unpack what that really, really bad does look like next week. Be sure to be, we're going to really go into Revelation next week. You know, the Bible actually says that you're blessed if you study Revelation. It's the only book it says that about. So you're blessed if you know this stuff. And so come next week and be blessed and we can learn about that. Okay. But what does this mean for you and me today? It means stay faithful. It also means to sacrifice to take the gospel to the world. I'll explain that in a second, but first of all, be faithful. What does that mean? I love it. It says in Revelation 3, hold on to what you have. That's not what our culture teaches though, right? Our culture teaches what? Teaches all of our kids to let it go, let it go. But I don't believe we should be letting go of family values and letting go of our Judeo-Christian work ethic and letting go of sexual purity and letting go of male and female and letting go of family and letting go of faith. I don't think we're supposed to let those things go. 
I think we should hold on to our faith, hold on to our values, hold on to the truth, hold on to what matters. We need to hold on and hold our ground. It's time to hold tight to the truth. Sometimes discipleship simply means persevering and not letting go of what you believe. So I don't care what my professor tells me or my teacher tells me. I know what the word of God tells me. I don't care what culture tells me or Twitter tells me. I know what the word of God tells me. We have to stick to the truth. You know, one thing I love about a church is that if I said something that was not theologically accurate with God's word, you would tell me. What's crazy is where churches have preachers saying all kinds of garbage that has nothing to do with the word of God goes against God's word and everyone seems to be fine with it. So I'm thankful that you would call me out because we believe in the word of God and we don't back off of scripture. Oh, well, the Bible offends me. Well, it offends me that you don't believe the Bible. So I guess we're both going to be offended. How about we stick to the truth of God's word? It matters, guys. It really does. And I know I sound like an old man right now, and I'm okay with that. Because it's truth. And truth sets you free. Lies and deceptions bind you up. And so bottom line is if you want to flourish, follow God's word. If you want to flounder, go against it. It's that simple. So I just want to challenge you to stick to the word of God. Scripture says in 1 Peter, but you are not like that. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. We're supposed to be a light in a dark world. We're supposed to be different. God called us to be different. And I want to show you a verse. This one verse led me and my family to move to the city and plant a church where we, know new, where we knew no one. God has blessed that. This one verse caused us to build a building and that we're in now preaching and, and we filled it up with as many services as we could. Then we, then we added another campus and then another campus and another campus. This one verse drives us to do all that. This one verse drives us to do missions around the world. This one verse drives us to give our money sacrificially. This one verse caused us to, to buy an old high school in the west side of the city and, and to go into the area and the neighborhood everyone's trying to get out of. We, we tried to get into it instead and to win people to Christ. This one verse made us do all that. But there's a second part of this verse that we forget. God ties the great commission to the end of the world. Look at this. Matthew 28 says this, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and I will be with you. Lo, I will be with you to the very end of the age. Huh. Why would God talk about making disciples and also the end of the world? Because this is what we're supposed to do until the end. We're supposed to make disciples, and I believe that if this really is the end time, shouldn't we ramp up our efforts? Shouldn't we be more faithful than ever? So I just want to challenge you to join me in supporting the gospel, the word of God. The gospel just means the good news that Jesus died for you and rose again, just accepting him. That's the gospel, that's it. Would you join me in telling the world about Christ? Back in 2020 in my prayer time, I had no idea what was about to happen in the world. God just led me to pray. God was preparing me, I didn't realize it. In 2020, the world changed, we all know. In that prayer time, the Lord told me to win a million souls. I literally fell on the ground as he told me that because it was so overwhelming. There's a thing, I didn't mention this in the other services, but I'll just mention it here. It's called kavod. I'd never heard of that before until a Jewish, a Jewish person that has been to the catacombs in Israel praying experienced it. 
I heard it and I thought, that's crazy. But he said, it happens to everyone that goes there and I'd never heard of it. It's called Kavad. Kavad means heavy weight of God. In my prayer time, I experienced that. I, I, I felt thrown to the floor by God. I know that sounds crazy, but I'm just telling you what happened to me. And I know the Lord told me right then, he said, I want you to win a million souls. I said, God, I'm just one man. I can't, I can't do that. I'm just one guy. And the Lord told me, I know you're one man, but I am your God. And it's not about who you are. It's about who I am. I'm only required to say yes. It's not my job to figure it out. God will do that. So back in 2020, late 2020, we connected with a mission with a guy named Ron Lewis. I'm going to show you a video in a second. Me and Ron were meeting and talking, and I decided to, to capture it. But he connected me with a guy in Pakistan named Moses. That's not his real name. That's what they call him to keep him protected. But Moses and I have become fast friends. We, we text all the time now. And uh, they call him Moses because I believe he is the Moses of Pakistan. He's going to win his people. He's going he's to save his people. We began to support him financially and make a difference in him. There was a lady that works with him closely. Um, her name is Pooja. Pooja, I, I told you about her. We bought her a motorcycle. Remember that? Well, she's used that motorcycle to win thousands of people to Jesus personally. And in her efforts and in, in Moses, sorry, I almost called him his real name, in Moses' efforts as well, they have planted 6,000 churches in three, in, in six years total, actually. We've been in on it the last half of that. And so in the last two years, I, I, I texted Ron again to double check. I said, before I say this, we'll make sure these numbers are right. And he said, no, we've got the, we've got the actual counts. Like, it's the truth. Church Unlimited has helped reach 80 to 100,000 people in the last two years. It's unbelievable. All I did was say yes to God. And everything's ramped up. We're reaching eight to 10 times more people in Pakistan than we are in America now. It's so weird. Like I'm now turning into one of those guys with the weird missionary shirts on. It's so weird that I'm thinking more about the world than America now because the gospel goes so much further because when you tell the gospel to someone who has been beat down, who has to fear for their life that Jesus wants to save them, they take it literally where we tell it here and they're like, I don't know, I'm not sure if he's real. They just, it's a different response. They're so hungry for what truth is that they want to know Jesus. It's incredible what God's doing. I just feel called to, to do this the rest of my life, to win as many people, to just to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're here to do. But that's going to require us to sacrifice and be faithful at the same time. Will you? This is the beginning of our annual offering. Normally we need between $1.8 and $2 million, which is a lot of money, but combined we, we, we normally reach that. This year we looked at the math. We need $4 million to do what God's called us to do. I don't even know that's possible, but I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm already committed to it, that if we don't raise it, we're going to borrow it. We're going to do it either way. We will not be stopped with what God's called us to do. I know God's going to take care of us. I really believe that. So I'm just asking you to join us in that. 
to make a difference to win people to Christ because I really do believe, and I don't know if the end times means in two days, two weeks, two months, or two years, it's over, but I think we're about there. Now, now when I think about that, I think, "Ah, I guess my retirement's not as big of a deal now then. It just makes me think differently about that little nest egg I'm working on. Maybe that's not as big of a thing as I think. Maybe I should use more of that for God's kingdom. That's what I'm going to do. I can't make you do that. I'm not going to try to guilt you into either. I, I pray that God would speak to you about what to do. That's between you and God. I'm just telling you the need. I'm just telling you where we are in the world. And I believe this too. And the Bible is very clear that the one thing that will happen before Jesus does come back is every people group and the whole world will get a chance to hear the gospel. So that's our end. Let's do our part to make sure every last people group. Do you know where we're taking the gospel right now? The places in Nepal we've been going, in China, the work we're and part of the work we've been doing that we're about to do in Africa. These are places that are called UUPGs. They're unreached, unengaged people groups. They've never heard the name Jesus. Never. Think about that. We get to take the gospel to them. That matters. That is worth holding off on purchases for me to make sure people get to know Jesus first. Would you pray with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Would we just take a moment to pray? It's perilous times, but God's good. He always takes care of us. As God speaks to you, if you've never given your life to Jesus, you can receive him right now by praying a very simple prayer. You don't need to be scared. You can trust the Lord. He'll take care of you. He always does. He always have and he always will. You can receive him by praying a very simple prayer. Just say this prayer with us. We're going to say it across all of our churches right now. Those of you online with us can say it. You can receive Christ right now. Just pray this prayer. Just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, we'd love to know that. Would you lift your hand high? No one's looking around. If you just gave your life to Christ, hold your hand high. Thank you, right here in the front. Thank you. Hold your hand high. Anyone else? Right now, just hold your hand high. Thank you. Thank you. We see your hand all the way in the back. Thank you. Hold your hand high. Thank you. Right here in the front as well. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you, Rodfield. Hold your hand high. Thank you, Stone Oak. Praise God. Hold that hand high. Thank you, Rockport Fulton. Praise God. Thank you, Padre Island. Hold that hand high. Praise God. Thank you. God's moving at all of our campuses. Those are online right now. You can put it in the online chat. Just text my hands raised or click hand raised right now. Praise God for your decision that you gave your life to Christ. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in this place. Thank you for those who gave their life to Christ. Thank you that we are more committed than ever than telling the world about you. Thank you for this message. In your name we pray. All God's people said. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true. It really is.